I was gonna say we watched a little bit of the dog, the the, the Westminster Dog uh, we Show. Is that what it's called? I'll have you know, it's the National Dog Show. It does not have any affiliation with the Kennel Club. It appears. So I'm wondering if, uh, just how uh, prestigious it is. But continue because mm. we watched some of it too. They had a thing like in the middle where it was. It felt like they're like when they cut to like someone in the studio in a football game and he's explaining like like defensive strategy or something it was like all of a sudden it cut to this guy in the thing and he started giving like dog facts and oh. one of them was fastest dogs and jack russell was like in the top three yeah oh fast, yeah or maybe five so but still yeah yes they are fast uh leo as i'm sure you can imagine does not has only shown that speed a few times and it's only when he has gotten out uh like of a fenced yard or something and then mm-hmm. runs like the wind like my the infamous escape at my friend's parents farm in pennsylvania that like still lives in lore up there uh my friend's mom was like i've never seen a human run that fast meaning me after him but she was like i've also never seen a dog run that fast (laughs) yeah i didn't i had never would have guessed like in the like in this like i'm sure he's fast and i'm sure i would have seen that but like it was like greyhound like bat bat jack russell Mm -hmm. and i was like wow okay yeah um i mean because i joke that his lethargic demeanor is just him saving up energy for his next escape and then he just unleashes years of saved up <laughs> what were they bred for they, i mean they were, they were hunters they were like rat hunters and um okay like rabbit hunters and stuff so they were i mean they were bred to like see like see a rat from really far away or something tear after it and burrow down into the little like hole and stuff okay i i thought it was like doctions which were bred specifically for getting into the holes mm. And not necessarily for like speed and the runaway, like doctions. I'm not sure what they're for, but it is it's like rabbits or something where it's like you're getting down into tunnels. So yeah, I thought they were the same thing. So I mean, I've only seen that instinct of Leo's once when we lived in D.C. You know, and it's like rats on parade um, there all the time. <laughs> uh, and uh, we there was a rat maybe like 20 feet ahead of us on a walk, like skittering away from or towards a trash can or something. And Leo, I mean. Leo happened to like notice it and just, it was like immediately, it it was like kind of when, um, maybe kind of like when the Hulk turns into the Hulk, but it was much more instant. Like what's a superhero (laughs) that like instantly transforms into something else? Cause the Hulk has to like rip all his clothing off and everything. Well, Shazam has to say Shazam, but then he instantly turns into it. But usually he he then goes, wow, because he changes from a little kid, from like a, a teenager into a human in like a, in the, well, I guess he's still human, into an adult male. So I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's a little like Clark Kent when he, well, he's still going to that telephone booth. I, anyway, it was just like Leo instantly different dog, like every muscle in his like little body, like rippling as he lunged and let out like a snarl I'd never heard before. And then I obviously just pulled his, his leash back. The rat was gone. And but I was like, oh, wow, look at you. Um, yeah, when you I want to go back to when you said that guy in the studio, that guy was Steve Kornacki, who is that guy fa- in the studio. Oh, at the oh okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was like, when did I say that? Okay, sorry. That guy was Steve Kornacki from MSNBC fame, who rose to like pop culture prominence in the 2020 election because he like stayed up for like 
70 hours or something reporting. Oh, and, really? And he's just, he's very like erudite and he's, he draws a lot on like the screen and, yeah. and people were just like, we just trusted everything Steve Kornacki said. And like, he was like very cautious about like calling states and very good at explaining things. And he wore like this pair of like gap pleated khakis and that like they immediately like sold out at the gap and stuff. Yeah. I can't watch. I mean, I never really liked watching elections, but like I just I remember the 2021 specifically. I went, I voted, I did my part. I'm gonna take probably something to help me get to sleep and mm -hmm. <laughs> good night. Well, it was see just you a, in the it, morning. It, it was a rare bright spot in how everybody just really rallied around like Steve Kornacki, and because he's not like glamorous looking or anything, he's just. He's got like yeah. glasses and wears like a white button down and khakis and it's like Yeah, I mean he I'm gonna explain charts. Yeah. And, I mean he kinda looks like Revenge of the Nerds nerds. Like I, I it was just interesting because he kept saying things like I, I think he made a comment with the Jack Russell Terry, like, oh, I didn't know that. Like and he would say things that I was like, well, why are you doing the dog facts then? Like who's the like like and it, like now it makes sense, like it's kind of a joke that he's not a joke that he's on there, but like a, 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 a little stunt casting, I guess. Yes. But yeah, when I uh, I did not see that particular segment of his, but I saw another one in the dog show where he talked about best in show winners that have had food names and how <laughs> there was one, I think, called Raisin in 2003 that won. And then in 2018, there was a Whippet called Whiskey that won. I during like I so we it was we watched, you know, we got up. We didn't do Thanksgiving till later like like we didn't have to be at my sister's place till one it was glorious and so we got up super late we were at a hotel and like both of us had a really hard time sleeping so we got up late and they read they read they they're polite enough to just reaps do the, the the parade and act like that's the first time they don't go this is a recast of the parade they go here good morning sleepyhead the parade's just starting for you mm -hmm. um and then they go straight to the dog show and i i we weren't really paying attention and they did, like, I think it was the toy one. And one of the dogs, they go, oh, this one's called, like, Whispers on the Wind. It wasn't even that. It was called, it had some terrible name that was, like, like I can't water. believe it's <laughs> Jimmy. And it was, like, there wasn't, even that, you would call him Jimmy. Like, we sat there for five minutes going, like, what do you say when this dog is, like, eating its own <laughs> Like, what is the thing to, like, snap it out of that? Uh -huh. You know, because, like, Lady's name is Lady Luck, but we say Lady. Mm -hmm. Like, but this was, like, like... I, you know, I once found a leaf. Like what? It was so so. It felt like a haiku. It was just a very esoteric name, and I, we could not. It, it made us angry. It felt like a horse name. Like when you name a horse in a horse race, and it's like, yes, here comes Little Miss Muffet's new tuffet. You know, it's yes. like some like five word thing. And I was like, I hate this so much. Yeah, or like, um, I. I went to Kentucky and all I got was this horse. It's coming around the bend, and you're like, what? yeah. And I'm like, well, what's what? the what's what's your name? Like, like I don't know. Um, but then there were I saw uh, the next one's name was something like Raisin, and I'm like, there's there's like names you name dog show dogs that are pretentious that I was okay with, where it's like Duchess or like Sapphire, and I'm like, well, that's mm -hmm. a dumb dog name, Duke. but sure. <laughs> And then this one was so odd out of it. I was like actively like, no, like I was like angry at it. I wanted to write a letter, but um, I saw I, then and apparently I I swear to God, like more so than ever, I feel like my phone's listening to me because now Tara and I will lay in bed and like show each other Instagram videos and 
I will be flipping through mine and it'll go, did you want to see the one that Tara just showed you again? Like, and I'm like, okay. But they've just knowing that I watched the dog show and was complaining about the dog show, they've like, now they're like, did you want to follow the dog show on Mm -hmm. Instagram perhaps? Mm -hmm. Hazel was the bulldog this year. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, I have to say, so I'm I'm partial to like the terrier group because I grew up with a terrier. I had Mm -hmm. Jack Russell, like all of that. And um, so the, the best in breed breast and group for the terrier the 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 celium terrier that uh i was i was like god i was like that dog's gonna win best in show and that's just a best in show dog and then when it did win best in show i was like yes oh wow um did did they have a staffordshire this year because i feel like in the last few years was the first year they had a staffordshire they do yeah they do have um in the terrier group they have an american staffordshire terrier you know what they don't have is jack russell terrier because that's not an actual uh, uh approved breed it is a uh a mix of a Parson Russell Terrier and a Russell Terrier. So, like, Leo's DNA test does not say Jack Russell Terrier on it because that's not an actual breed. So I'm... So what? what is he? Is he in the toy? Mm-mm. Would you say, would you say what group is he in? He's the Terrier. But I thought you said they, didn't have, they just didn't have one this year? So the Parson Russell and the Russell look so much like Jack Russell oh, that okay, they okay, do okay, the okay, same yeah, thing. Yeah. So, no, Leo is... Leo can never be in a dog show. A, he's not oh, purebred, no. but also because his his breed doesn't like exist. So I clicked. I I, I searched Terrier Group twenty twenty three, and Stash this the Sealyham yes. is the Stash only one. Okay, Sealyham, yes. But it's interesting because it says Terrier Group winner, and there's all these pictures of what looks like uh, just a beautiful Staffordshire. But and I'm like, that can't be it. Yeah, twenty twenty three. Oh, this must be Westminster or something else because it says Terrier Group winner Trouble. <laughs> oh. oh my god, I love it. Um, yeah, that's that's probably a more uh, or like the American Kennel Club, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like this used to be the. I feel like they used to show the Westminster Dog Show, and now it's just the National Dog Show. And I'm like, mm, what happened at Westminster? Uh, listen, I I don't need to get into the like which one's better. You show me a dog show every weekend, I'm fine with that. Oh, 100%, I also like yes. Didn't they have like the rescue dog show recently where it was like just all mutts and like everybody oh. won and it was like Oh, I love that. Um, it was just, you know, it was just basically like kind of a jokey thing where it's like, "Oh, here's a cute rescue dog." And the dog was like, "Hello." There's also a, an Instagram I saw recently where is a dog at a dog show or an obedient show or something and it's a boxer and it's like sitting there next to like I guess the judge or the officiant or something, and the, and, and it's and the the subtitle is he was supposed to walk over calmly to his owner and like sit, and all of a sudden you see the boxer do that thing they do where they like it's like they run so fast they pop a wheelie mm-hmm. at first and it's like it's up on its hind legs it runs over and then just starts doing like zoomy circles around their owner while their owner is standing perfectly still and like laughing and like closing their eyes and being like God dang it. And it's doing circles around the owner, and then it stops and does the like full on donuts, just like mm-hmm. standing in the point, and then sister looks at him. <laughs> so funny, I have to post it. But uh, it was yes, I, that's I, what I, I feel I like. Enjoy seeing that. Do you know what I'm a little surprised by that there has not been a Frasier episode about a dog show? Because this seems like ripe for Frasier to lampoon a little bit, like. Like one of them, yeah. like one of them dates somebody who has like a dog that they want to show or something, or they have to care for a dog. Like I can see like Frazier is dating a woman and she's asked to go out of town suddenly and he has to care for her dog that's a show dog or something. Well, it's got to be Martin puts Eddie into some sort of show, whether it's not like some, a prestigious show or just a local show, and then 
Martin pulls his ankle and then Frazier has to go get along with mm-hmm. Eddie to do this. And Frazier's also trying to like get off the, uh, you know, you know, feed off the um, cachet of having a, yes. a show dog of some sort. And I bet and, like, there's going to be a romantic interest, like one of the judges he's flirting with or one of the other dog owners or something. So can this seems like a good place to jump into this episode because boy, do I have some stuff to, I, I i simultaneously just want to get through it as quickly as possible and have a lot to say about this, okay. this episode okay well let's but uh hello on. seattle i'm ryan i'm laurel and we're the craniacs we talk about dog shows and we talk about frazier and today we're talking about two different episodes but the first one is season 11 episode 18 the Anne who came to dinner uh, Ann Hodges grudgingly agrees to assess Fraser's apartment for a home insurance quote, but when she falls and breaks her leg, Fraser's afraid she will sue. So I'm going to come off straight off the bat and say I absolutely hated this episode. I did not like it at all. I was not in a great mood um, watching it, but that it, this did not make my mood any better. It, it was awful. But one of the things I want to talk about when you're saying about like, We've done, you know, we've obviously gone back to the well many times in Fraser episodes of like, there's a, 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 a attractive woman that he's trying to get with. But the whole thing with the neighbor here in this one was so, felt like such a step back. Like when he's like, he threw his briefcase yes. into the elevator to catch it where and, there was attractive woman. Yes, and, and, and hit her ankle. She shows up in a... The, the whole deal is the woman from, I forget which episode, but the episode of the season, um, and gosh, I've forgotten this 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 actress's name because I wrote very little notes because I was just like, I'm not laughing. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, Pat, who is the SNL alum, Julia but I can't Sweeney. remember her name. Thank you. Julia Sweeney comes back. And I, when she said she was going to come back, I was like, oh, that's interesting. We're getting her back. She must have, they must have really, and I couldn't really remember if I liked her the last time. I think she was kind of like, okay. No, we named our episode Justice for Julia Sweeney because we thought it was yeah. such a terrible role. Like Right. And boy, did they lean into the terribleness of it because I was like, I hate you. I hate this. But the whole deal is like, he's going through a circumstance We'll get to it a little bit where she's staying over and thinks that they're dating. And then this woman comes back to go on a date with Frazier and is wearing just a fascinating dress. Like it was black and tight, like body bodycon kind of very slim. But then like weird cuts and strange places. Yes. Like it. I I don't want to like I don't even want to call it slut shaming because it feels like I'm calling her that and I'm not. But it was definitely a very, not like a cocktail dress. It was very a like, well, this is a dress, like, this is an interesting choice for a first date for someone who shanghaied the elevator to get on it and meet you. I also feel like it didn't match necessarily her style of clothing when she was in the elevator. Like, if it had been like, oh, she's maybe a model. Then we go Fraser models again. But if it's like, oh, or she's somebody who dresses kind of like that, they didn't it didn't necessarily It it wasn't as over the top as the next episode, which is flat out like dream women. Oh right, yeah. But it felt like it leaned that way. Like this was a, this was something that it was like really in the like fantasy 
dress state. It's but it felt like one of those characters that just comes on for two seconds in like the first season that I would go, "What is this? Like mm-hmm. who is it? like the the host the, the the presenter at the CBs who goes home with Fraser or wants mm-hmm. to go? You know, and I'm like, this isn't this isn't a Fraser uh, character. The, the, you know, this isn't someone who would. This is not what you would meet to go on a date with Fraser. Like you're not seeing Fraser in that elevator and going. This is the amount of effort I have to put on to get to, to, to be liked by Fraser Crane. I have to say, we spent a lot more time on this woman's dress for how little she was on screen. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, to me, that it, this whole episode was so bad. But you said something I forgot what you said earlier, but it made me think of that. Like this felt like a step back in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. that was a big thing for me was the fact that it was a, you know, a, a, a like. Hi, huh? Like Tex Avery woman that like you mm-hmm. see kind of like look, and then like Fraser's like, oh, like as opposed to what it has been lately, which has been very much appropriate women of his age mm-hmm. looking very sharp and very very mm-hmm. attractive, but not like he they fell out of a swimsuit issue. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but again, what did you think of this this episode in general? So I, I'm looking. I watched this yesterday. I'm re looking at my notes. It mm-hmm. it's one of those where it had. Uh, Parts that I really thought were funny, but the Julia Sweeney uh, and plotline took it down so many notches for me because it just relied on her character being constantly annoying and clueless. And it also yes. just felt like, I don't know, not like like something Frazier wouldn't necessarily do. I, it really felt like a Saturday Night Live skit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that it was it was a situation that wouldn't exist outside these 20 minutes, right? Yes. Like these weren't real people, these weren't whatever. It felt super reliant on the on the sitcom tropes of like someone just and, and they do the same thing the next thing of like, oh, no one's going to talk and communicate the idea, but it, they just use it to get past the mm-hmm. initial thing. This whole thing was it's now been like weeks. Someone needs to talk to this woman like an actual human would talk to mm-hmm. another human. Mm-hmm. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's not for the sake of a fun time. It's not for the sake of anything I'm enjoying. There were literally two. I, I sat there the whole time and just anytime a joke came, it would laugh and I would go, I'm not laughing. This isn't funny. Well, like it, Also, <laughs> it seemed like such cheap jokes because I was like, we've already laughed i'm using air quotes at this woman's expense in a previous episode about like her sad life and everything and now now we're just gonna like keep doubling down on it and i I don't know it it seemed like a the the Anne part of it seemed like a like a oh we don't know what to do let's just write a really easy episode Um, going back to the Saturday Night Live of of it all like one example I could think of of what I'm about to explain is Debbie Downer and the idea that like you kind of like catch lightning in a bottle with the first Mm -hmm. version Mm -hmm. of a skit and then you try and do it again and it's like oh this isn't funny twice Mm -hmm. or like you're leaning Mm -hmm. into the wrong things that weren't charming from the first one it was I, I, I cannot we'll talk about it some more but I cannot reiterate how skippable this episode is other than the fact that there's like a bit of a and that's the other thing to be. There's a bit of a a plot movement, yes. Which is well, we, I guess, wrap up the Maris storyline. Yes. And so I do. I did enjoy this storyline. That a, I did not think we would go back to Maris's house, but that Maris is she contacts Niles because she's auctioning off uh, some of her belongings, all of her fancy antiques and stuff, to pay for her defense. Which I'm also mm-hmm. a little surprised. You would think that urinal cake empire that she inherited would really be keeping her in high cotton. Um, 
but and so he, he she offers for Niles to come by and take anything he wants, which I was like, that seems. I mean, later we learn why, but I'm like, that's that didn't raise anybody as like antenna. Like Maris yeah. is not that nice. Uh, and so Niall says that there's only one thing he wants, and it is the boudoir painting that he and Maris had done for each other. And his is him, his like face and torso on the body of Pan, who is a satyr, which is a goat man. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure as you know, Pan, I'm 90% sure is from Midsummer Night's Dream in Shakespeare. Well, I mean, he's from Greek mythology, but yes, he's also in Midsummer Night's Dream, but yes. No, I'm not. Let me confirm this. Oh, Pan's like the the, the a, a Greek god, Greek demigod, or so. Maybe I'm sorry, maybe... Puck. Puck is who I'm Puck. thinking of, but Puck is based on Pan. That's what it is. Yes. Um, um th- this didn't. This I don't see. I, I I literally I felt like that we, we and you said the same thing here too. That it felt like it had to be like, hey, remember Maris is going through some stuff to be, then like wrap up the Maris storyline. To which I was like, well, I felt like it was wrapped up when she was in jail. Like, like I either needed, like, nothing. I think nothing would have been fine to it, finish off this Maris story. It made me feel like almost there was a writer who was tasked with all the Maris storylines and was like, we've got to have some sort of send-off for Maris. And yeah. they were like, fine. Uh, that being said, I found it funny. Maris was under house arrest. She had an ankle bracelet. She managed to take a salt tablet, so her ankles swelled right before they put the ankle bracelet on, and then she slipped it off. That was close to a laugh for me. Hid it behind the, in the wrapping of the painting that Niles came to get, knowing that was the only thing he was going to come and get. And then, uh, so the police then tracked Niles' right. car, thinking that that instead was Maris. And she so she can escape the country. In a shipping crate, yes. To her family's I private didn't island. Like, I didn't like the whole bit of like, the protein shake bit. Oh, I thought that was disgusting. I thought it was gross. I also thought the whole thing where I for their 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 cleaning woman has a Marta. Marta, yeah, has, almost sounds like Mary's, but yeah, or it almost sounded like Martin. That's what it was. And she was like talking to her, and she'd be like, "What'd you say?" And I'm like, "We needed some woman just going or something," because it almost made Marta sound insane <laughs> that she was like what like, did you say you want more protein shake or something like, where oh. she like knocked like yeah like, knock once if you want more and knock twice if it's too much like, yeah yeah i i i will tell you now the two laughs i had during this so real quick the whole thing with Anne is essentially martin forgets to send the home insurance payment so fraser loses his home insurance and he's trying to find a new one at a cheaper cost so they bring her over and she's a nut and she slips on <laughs> mayonnaise from a sand from a sa- that was kind of a joke where he goes oh i had made a sandwich out of the chicken in there he's like also known as quail like that part yes. was kind of if close to a laugh for me but again part of it was i was in a bad mood i will 100 percent agree i but i had a good time with the next episode so i eventually got over it um, she slips on the mayonnaise, breaks her leg. Fraser's afraid she's going to sue, so he's like, oh, "Stay with me, and I'll take care of you. You can't sue a friend, you know." Mm-hmm. Like, and then it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Um, so there's he's Roz has gone and drafted, gotten her lawyer to draft like a a legal statement releasing uh, Fraser of any liability. He needs to get Anne to sa- sign it. At the same time, Anne is now convinced that Fraser's into him, into her, and she's try- He's trying to, do I go with this or not? 
And then she finds the note and she realizes blah, blah, blah. And Fraser starts giving her this pity party of like how sad he is and how please don't do this and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, but we, he says something and then he goes, he's like, I wish, I think it's, I wish we wouldn't have to do this. I, if I could do any other way, we would. Also initial on page two. Like that part like actually mm-hmm. made me laugh mm-hmm. where he like legitimately was like, do the other thing. And the second part that made me laugh that I'm so glad they did the whole bit is they keep looking at this painting of Niles and not showing the camera, and I thought that was going to be the whole thing. And then at the end, when he the police pulls him over because they think Maris is in the car, the press shows up. Niles is like, please don't show him this thing. He's like, well, it's evidence now. And he turns around with it, and for a second, we get to see it in the audience. Mm-hmm. And it made me so... It was it was kind of a like gasp laugh. Not only was, do they get to see it, but it's Niles on the other side of it, like next to it. As though it's like him being like, look at this portrait. Isn't it? Isn't the likeness amazing? Yes. Um, do you, there was an episode like that on Parks and Rec where mm-hmm. Jer- Jerry like Jer- painted Jerry, something. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then they put. <laughs> it was, it was, Leslie looks like a goddess and isn't uh, isn't Tom the like puck character? Little cherub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah little baby up in the corner. Uh, it reminded me of that I a lot. I have to say. This just now occurred to me, but if there was one prop piece I could have from Fraser, it might it would, be that painting. Oh my god! Um, I also there were a couple lines that Anne said that were like weirdly racist or homophobic. Like she said a couple things, and I think the point was for her to be like, "Oh God," she said something about, "Well, he's black," and blah blah blah. And then she says, "Well, I got a gay couple, and they're way you're not nearly as clean as them." And it was like right in a row, and I'm like. These are some weird comments to be making, and I guess... Perhaps they were trying to say she's it's not only like, oh, we shall feel sorry for her, but she's also just kind of a terrible person. Yeah, I, yes, but it also, I don't know, it, it's 2003, so whatever, or 2004, I guess, at this point. But I was just like, why are we having this? And then there's a weird part where Maris is like, tell my homies in cell block whatever to stay black. And I was like, okay, like what is going on with this episode? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was is, just, is it, is it, I thought that was just like prison code for something. Oh, uh, maybe I'm, uh, maybe not, I've not got an issue, but that yeah, code. I, I don't know. I was just like, there's a weird aspect to this that I'm not getting, not appreciating all leading into, to Laurel. Are you ready to rate this episode? Um, yes, I am, but I would like for you to rate it first. Oh, I gave it one out of ten protein shakes. I, this was a unpleasant experience. I usually rate it from, like, that's essentially what I go. Middle five is like, "Eh, it was okay, it was a way to spend a a, a 30 minutes. Anything above that is like, oh, I enjoyed this. Anything below that is, well, this is kind of a slog. I did, I was like, Please, God in heaven, let the second one be better than this. Thank God it was. But the whole time I was just like, again, I had, I was in a bad mood for a few few reasons, like had some kind of family drama during Thanksgiving. So I was just ready to be like, I was like, all right, maybe Frazier will make me laugh. And this was not one to make me laugh. So I would say probably normally I'd rate it a three out of 10, but I gave it a one. And, you know, I think that's fine because I do think that the mood that we are in while watching it does have to do with, you know, like our perception of like whether or not we enjoyed the episode. Um, Absolutely. I do, do want to say we did uh, skip one part at the very end that I wanted to talk about when they decide when Niles is reading a lot of the letter from Maris about how she has skipped the country and she won't be extradited. So, like, they'll never mm-hmm. see her again. And 
um, they decide to have a toast to Maris and Fraser's oh, like, yeah. there's just a few drops left. And Niles says, I can't think of a more fitting toast. I thought that was such a perfect, like close the book on Maris. Like they all had like a few drops of wine. They had just like, uh, and what was it that, that Martin said? He was like, something but she was a character or i don't know i thought that was it all seemed very true it all seemed very true for how they think of maris so um, i guess i went i thought it was weirdly dramatic sentimental like it's it almost like if it then had gone in loving memory of the actress who played maris but like Mm -hmm. there was no actress who played maris there was no one to celebrate here other than the artists the, the the writer's own creation I was just like I, I again. I I was kind of like I could have gone with. As far as we know, Maris was still in jail to this very day, mm-hmm. and then in the new one, maybe they mention it or whatever. I don't know. Like I would love if we don't say if it had been we didn't say anything, and then David Hyde Pierce's one appearance was he was visiting Maris's grave or something, and that's why he's in town, right? Just to be like, well, just to pay my respects or blah blah blah, and we don't, you know, it becomes a joke of like. The the strange way she died or something. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, I, Whatever. Give, I, I give, yeah. I give this uh, for, uh, obviously, uh, boudoir paintings. Um, okay, there we go. I, I, really, I thought that storyline was funny. And I one thing I did enjoy is how at the end when Frazier, when Roz is like, here, my lawyer drafted this like liability release, get her to sign it. And he's like, how did you become friends with her? She doesn't seem like your type. And she's like, oh, I rear into her in 1989. I thought that yeah. was hilarious. Um, also, I'm... Just want to say, I thought Roz looked fantastic in this episode. I thought her hair was on point. I thought her fashion was on point. I feel like they've just, like, it all seemed like stuff you could still see people wearing today. So I just want to say. Then I think that's another, you know, statement towards my, um, statement towards my mood in that I did not notice at all. (laughs) That's how out of it I was. (laughs) Oh, I remember thinking Ryan's going to have something to say about, like, Roz's hair. So, uh, anyway. I am loading up our Gmail, which is taking a minute for some reason, because we do have uh, uh, one one piece of mail. So this is from uh, uh, listener Brad Bayenhoff, who has oh, sent us a few things, is yes. on the Facebook page, etc. So good to hear from you, Brad. He says, I'm not sure if this is, is regarding the, ja- the jam burglar. Uh, I'm not sure if this is related, but you couldn't. Remember where you had previously heard about Fraser's hockey experience? I sent you the message below uh, a couple of years ago, so maybe this was it. Uh, so we'll go to a, a, an earlier one. You talked about Fraser in sports, and it reminded me of a scene in season 11, episode 12. I know neither of you have seen this, where Niles talks about Fraser's sordid history of team sports. Apparently, he accidentally joined the girls' field hockey team when he was a freshman, though it's unclear whether this is for prep school or college. And then he says, he continues in the current, in the, in the present. Uh, also in se- season two, episode 11, Seat of Power, the former bullies, the Krizels who become plumbers, reminisce about jamming this Poindexter into a locker wearing a girl's field hockey uniform, which turned out to have been Frazier. But that was a long time ago and didn't relate to Frazier actually playing, so it might not be the connection. I honestly think that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may have just been... They ha- they think you know women's men and women's field hockey is like a good joke for this. Yeah, but yeah. thank you, Brad. I, th- I I really do think that seat of power episode is where I was remembering this because it was a big thing about their high school. 
So yeah, no, I think that's go. I think that's probably God, Brett, Brett's memory astounds me. I know, right? Um, so thank you, thank you, Brad, and thank you anyone else who wants to uh, you know, when we ask questions that just kind of go out into the ether, want to be the ones to step up and let us know what we're missing. Of course, craniacs at gmail.com, C R A N E I A C S. But for now, let's go on to season eleven, episode fourteen, Freudian sleep. A pretty good episode title, and in my opinion, a pretty mm-hmm. good episode. The cranes are plagued by bizarre nightmares on a trip to the mountains, which almost sounds like the beginning of like a Lovecraft novel. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the next sentence could really determine this. I will say the Daphne dream was was very horrific. Oh uh, yes, <laughs> yes, like grotesque at certain parts, but uh, yes. The whole thing was an extremely like whereas the last one was like very sitcommy, this one w- felt very high concept mm-hmm. or, and, and especially in not really high concept, but in the execution was a pretty ridiculous one. I, I wrote down that this felt like a spec script. This felt like you know some new writer put together like because what, usually when you write a spec script, you want to like take characters and put them in scenarios that they're not normally in and to kind of like show your creativity and stuff and that that's what this felt like like let's have them all be on a trip and they all have weird dreams that are secretly related that are not so secretly related to things that they're worried about right i would i i I liked this one but it didn't have a point Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i was waiting for like there to be kind of a button at the end and boy was there a button but the button didn't like wrap up any loose threads in the episode Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like it was just it was just like let's take a moment and take the temperature of each of our characters moving into the last few episodes i guess yeah and it also makes me wonder i know this happened with ted lasso in season two it makes me wonder if well, I guess all of Frasier seasons have been 24 episodes. So it's not that they had to add another episode, but it almost makes you wonder if they had to completely scrap an episode kind of last minute. And they were like, we just need an episode, like a filler episode that will, that won't advance the plot. Cause that's going to like mess up what's happening later. Yeah. I mean, it feels like you could, this is one of those episodes where there is a bunch of stuff that's like new if you're in Frasier that you don't necessarily know but at the same time it's just like here are these characters here's what they're doing here's some funny situations they're in like Mm -hmm. you don't have to have known anything to get there and it's also you know yeah it it takes the temperature on everybody I loved (laughs) the David Hyde Pierce dream because Mm -hmm. it was the David I thought Daphne kind of yelling in the background was a little annoying but it was we were getting uh dhp uh we're getting physical comedy silent physical physical comedy comedy. it felt like what it felt like is knowing this having rewatched roger rabbit for the the disney podcast and then also seeing some of those some of his standalone uh shorts it felt like that where it's like he's always trying to take care of baby herman and then like something else is going wrong it felt like a warner brothers or like a, a tex avery cartoon and everything he was doing and his facial expressions because he couldn't even just go huh, huh, or like like they, they felt like they were trying to keep him from making any noise whatsoever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i loved it i it really i <laughs> the bit where he puts the pie in the oven and then goes over to the the crib and there's just a sack of apples <laughs> like mm-hmm. i'm like what <laughs> and then he pulls the baby out of the pie mm-hmm. and then goes ah, hot 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 mm-hmm. like it was just so over the top ridiculous and, because it was a dream and he's in that very abstract looking nursery slash kitchen 
Yeah, that looked like. Boy, I don't know if you're gonna get this, and I maybe there's a listener out there who get this. If you ever saw the Twilight Zone movie, the Joe Dante directed run. Joe Dante did Gremlins and stuff like that, and he did uh, one of the segments in the Twilight Zone movie where it's about a kid who anything they can think of comes to life, and he watches a lot of cartoons, so like everything feels real weird and abstract like that, and it felt very similar to that kind of set. Um, yeah, I because like it's it's literally just Fraser and Niles kind of accidentally get invited to this mountain trip with Wendy Malick and uh, Martin, which is supposed to be a romantic getaway. And I'm glad it didn't become like let's all yell at each other, blah blah yes. blah, you know, or anything like that. It just be, it was just a way to get them all in this weird space so they could all have dreams and wake up and talk to each other about their dreams. Niles and Fraser have kind of a Whose dream is more obviously Freudian? Or, you know, who more, more mm-hmm. most who the most obvious dream, um, which is funny. Daphne's is, am I is 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 Niles going to find me unattractive as I gain weight? Like, am I losing my good looks and stuff? And is that going to lose me, Niles? Yeah, and also like, I guess I kind of also saw it a little bit of like if I can't lose or if I have trouble losing or I'm slow to lose baby weight, will Niles like, right. I kind of saw it as that, which I also thought was wise of them. Cause it's a little bit of a callback to Daphne's horrific storyline in season eight, where she gains weight uh, when she and Niles start dating and it's because Jane Leeds was pregnant in real life, but how ter- how horribly they handled that. Um, right. But, but it's, but her still being like, I, I know I, like I could gain weight again and like kind of what what a mess that was for her like emotionally. Well, it's just every time they cut away from her and cut back, she's put on more weight. Yes, she's like wearing one of those sumo suits that they just like inflate. But there are yes, they have it has to be inflate and it literally as they cut away it's like Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. just blow it up a little more because every time they come back she's fatter. It's not like there are three stages of Daphne getting fat. There are 12 to 15 it, it, it stages it's of amazing Wonka when violet beauregard starts yes. to blow up that's what that's what it reminds me of and the part that struck me as grotesque is at the very end of that scene when she can't fit through the door <laughs> and she's trying to yell out for niles and her like it's like her cheeks are like chipmunks or something and she yes. can't even like talk that's she's got like, prosthetics I yeah like, oh this is like this is like a bridge too far but um, i i think it worked for me because she's obviously like hamming it up mm-hmm. to a degree like she's clearly going no <laughs> why don't you love me like in a weird voice in a weird inflection it 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 really made made me laugh i will say the uh women niles is so the idea is during the dream also niles is like the plumber's here the plumbing in the bedroom is not done mm-hmm. the cable's out in the bedroom and i'm like well this the is like <sighs> I, again, it was just the, the, this this class of of model that I didn't feel it felt out of line in a Frasier show. Mm-hmm, like it felt mm-hmm. like it would be on Married with Children. Yes, these kind of people who would show up. And then the last one is a woman who it's like, hey, Dad, it's it's a woman who's turned it's it's like sexy Martin yes. or, or fantasy Martin is how they did it because they related they called her fantasy plumber, which made me laugh um, in the credits. But it's like, hey, Dad, why don't you come to the bedroom too? And I'm like. Boy, that's really Freudian. I guess we're just letting it go because it's ridiculous. But I was like, okay. 
I also would like to point out, I wrote down that even Dream Niles isn't smooth. Like, he wasn't, like, like he was just, he was like, oh, hello, please come to the, the fix yes. the plumbing in the bedroom. And walked like a robot, giving a very, like, stiff, awkward smile. I just love that even Dream Niles was just so very awkward. There was a beer commercial, I remember, when I was a kid, where it was, like, essentially, like, the the, the crux of it was... This beer could turn anyone into a hot lady. <laughs> I thought it was so weird because the first one is, you know, his nag of a wife with, mm-hmm. you know, whatever and curling hairs. None of this is good, but at least that when I tell you the rest, whatever. And then turn into a hot lady, a hot version of his wife, giving him this Coors Light or whatever. And then the neighbor is like cutting the bushes and the neighbor is a dude like cutting the bushes and be like hey neighbor and like the the everything's going everywhere and he like cracks open a course light and then his neighbor a guy turns into a, a a lady and i'm like okay what is this beer commercial saying like this seems out of like surely this isn't a very early trans progressive <laughs> commercial but then the third one is he has a dog that wants to go for a walk a dalmatian and then he cracks a beer and the dalmatian turns into a hot lady in a polka dot dalmatian tight dress and she's like you want to go for a walk and i'm like are we to imply he's going to sleep with his dog what is happening here <laughs> like i was like this is ridiculous and i'm like a kid and i was like i remember when i first thought i was like oh cool they turn into hot ladies and then like maybe a month of it being on the air i finally went this seems weird <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like yeah like how did this last this long it's like a super bowl commercial like i imagine like man this dishwasher sure isn't working <laughs> crack it's a hot late <laughs> like that's not a solution now you have you know one two people who are human who are now hot ladies and then like an inanimate object who you have to teach what it means to be human it's like mannequin the movie mannequin yes. only not <laughs> That, so is, weird. Uh, that is what that sounds like. Um, I just like this idea of like the solution to any problem is your car not working? Turn it into a hot lady. <laughs> like what? Why? <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that is that is fair. Uh, I kind of remember this commercial. This is where I wish that advertising agencies had basically a Laurel on staff to be like, let's stop. Because that, that, that's something like I would point out. We're saying that this guy's going to sleep with his dog. Yeah, we understand the dog's a human now, but... When this came out, the answer probably wasn't a Laurel, but a woman, <laughs> like any woman on staff. It wasn't like there was a whole group of, of... It was probably a bunch of dumb white dudes going, you know what would solve any problem? <laughs> Turn it into a hot lady. The, the other thing you were talking about with the whole issue of... of, of uh, Daphne looking large was when the first uh, dream, which they just jump into the dream and they don't really tell you it's a dream. So there's literally a part where I'm like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Because it's like they're like, well, ever since Niles died, and I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> it's like, did I like, do I need to go back? Did I miss something? Like, probably not Niles died, but like, do they think he's dead? Like, I was like really confused. And then there, Daphne and Fraser are married, and I'm like, oh, this is a dream. Mm-hmm. Because she goes into the other room and she comes back. She's like, I had the baby and looks great in that <laughs> like makeup and everything. And it's like comes out in a teddy with a little like baby to which Frazier like puts it on the thing. What's the other thing? Eddie's dead. Oh, <laughs> yes. The, like, stuff. yes. Eddie's dead. But that was what I was just saying about you saying about like this could possibly be feeding into Jane Leaves like actual insecurities. But mm-hmm. I'm like, doesn't need to have them. She looked great. <laughs> also, she looked so much less pregnant in that negligee than she does normally that I was like, has she already had the baby in real life? Yeah. And they, and she's having to still wear a prosthetic. Uh, anyway, um, 
I, I mean, this know. is in January, so it's after the break and everything yeah. they've had. So uh, maybe. I want to go back to the very, though, step away from Dreamland for a second. Frazier is struggling to have callers into his show. So Roz, for the second day in a row, oh, right, right. is having to pretend uh, to be a caller. And she says that she's Susan from Texas. And Perry Gilpin's a Texan. And I just really enjoy that. I thought, yeah. Um, but uh, then she begins to basically tell the plot of Thelma and Louise, which was, uh, which was a good time. I, it was funny because I kind of remember, I'm like, I think she's actually a Texan. And her starting accent is like, hey, y'all. Uh-huh. And then like really just floats into a very natural, like my husband, blah, 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 like mm-hmm. without being super over the top. Yes. But that led to my favorite dream. Which was Frazier's dream of trying to answer the phone mm-hmm. because I think probably because it felt so. It was he went there and it's like you haven't had a call in months. Six oh my months. god, someone's in six months. Oh my god, someone's calling and they go in the room and it's just filled with telephones mm-hmm. and he's trying mm-hmm. to find it and then it cuts back to uh, Roz and she's driving the the <laughs> board like it's like she's gonna drive it over the cliff mm-hmm. in the grand canyon mm-hmm. have you seen thelma and louise i have not i i know i know the the whole premise and everything but i haven't seen it solid movie we watched it i think during the pandemic it's kind of like oh let's check this out and it's really it it holds up it's very good speaking of a solid movie last night matt and i watched the fugitive just because it's come up so much in like conversation uh. over the last like Six weeks or so, and at one point he's like, "Wait, why are we watching this movie?" He's never seen it. <laughs> I- I've seen it once. He's never seen it, and so uh, he had never seen it. So, um, and I was like, "Gosh, you know, this is just like, it's just a good, like, thriller, and the acting in it is good, and that really helps yes. elevate it." Like Tommy Lee Jones is, I think he's just playing Tommy Lee Jones, but he's great in Harrison. Like everybody in it is good. Well, the setup is good. the The group of the U.S. Marshals, mm-hmm. I think, is really good. Yes. Like that, that having that team, it's all a bunch of like really good, solid character actors. Mm-hmm. So, similarly, we watched a movie uh, based on like you know this has come up because on the way home from Dallas yesterday, we turned on the How Did This Get Made Face Off episode. And I told Tara, Tara was like, "God, I love this stupid movie." And I went, "You know, I seen it once and I didn't like it." So like. I came home. I'm like, well, I have to watch the Frasers. So it's like 10 o'clock, 1030. She's like, can we start face off now? So we were up to one watching face off. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I've never seen face off. Um, I think you should. It's long. It's okay. much longer than it needs to be. But I think it's it would be fun to listen to the episode and then watch or listen to like maybe the first 20 minutes of the How Does Get Made episode, watch it and then listen to the to the rest like listen to where it's one where june's not there and she calls in mm. uh it's randall park is the guest so listen oh. to when june calls in stop watch the movie and then and then call back it is so weird and ridiculous and like over the top but like it's not it's it's bad in the funnest way i remember thinking i remember when it came out that kind of being the sentiment of that like this movie's kind of crazy, but it's a lot of fun because both John Travolta and Nicolas Cage are really good in it. And they talk about in the How Does Get Made episode how they're just like, we have to get past the science of the face swapping mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. as quickly as humanly possible so that you just go, okay, they're going to swap faces. Mm-hmm. Now the rest of the movie. Because I think they do a good job of like, the movie is. 
uh, John Travolta turns into Nick Cage to get information from his brother to to stop a bomb from going off in L.A. And he does that almost immediately. So I'm like, oh, wait, the, the bomb gets defeated. Like, they get the bomb information that quick? That's weird. What you don't know is that Nicolas Cage wakes up, steals it, and, like, t- kills everyone who knows mm-hmm. that the it happens. So everyone's like, you're crazy. You're, you're not John Travolta. Yeah. You're Nick Cage. And I think Nick Cage, while not necessarily doing a... I think John Travolta does a really great, crazy Nick Cage impression. Mm-hmm. I think Nick Cage doesn't do a really great, serious John Travolta impression, mm-hmm. but he does a really good job of the dealing like that is a crazy situation of like i look like Mm -hmm. someone else who is a horrible like a terrorist and no one believes me like so it's like this this guy whose like whole existence is being gaslit Mm -hmm. like it's it's i think that's really good and it's a strong action like they talk about this in the thing too the first 10 minutes of that movie is the end of an of a lesser action movie like it is so jam-packed with action and crazy stuff that you're like this feels like it should be the end of a michael bay movie and it's and it's the first 10 minutes so it's it's crazy it's 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 bonkers but it is definitely it is definitely worth worth watching as a companion piece now how did matt like the fugitive having seen it for the first time and not lived through the 1994 fugitive or whatever. He, he said, he, well, so I, I, I should say I saw it for the first time in like 2015. So it's been, Oh, great. Yeah. So, and I'd only seen it once. So I was like real fuzzy as to some different things. He said he thought it was good. Things that I, okay. Like if you haven't watched the fugitive, like skip ahead a little bit, things that I recalled being slightly different. I thought that the motive behind his wife's murder was introduced or that he started to piece that together much earlier. Like at one point I was like, we've got like 30 or 40 minutes of this movie left and we have not gotten to what I remember about the like drug yeah. approval and there's some board being a, a wrench in that. Um, secondly, I Pravasic. Yes. Uh, I, you faked the results. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm not going to win any awards for that. Uh, second, I thought that they explicitly said in it, that like one of the villains explicitly said that the target had been Harrison Ford, not his wife. And I don't think they ever say mm. that because like, I thought it was that because, you know, it's his friend who turns out to be one of the villains, borrowed his car, got his house key, gave it to the one armed man. And then on the way home, Harrison Ford on the way home from that benefit and the one armed man's going to go into their house. Harrison Ford gets a call to go back to the hospital and help with a surgery, mm. which that guy didn't know about. And I thought the whole thing had been like, oh, our goal was to kill you. But when the one-armed man broke in, your wife was there, so we like killed her. Uh, and, but then Harrison Ford says at one point, why, like when he's like on the roof wrestling with the, the guy, he's like, why, Helen? And they, and I, that's where I thought the guy said something like, it was supposed to be you or something like that. And he doesn't. And I was like, wait, am I just misremembering this completely that they didn't mean to kill his wife and they were supposed to kill Harrison Ford? Did you enjoy the scene of two middle-aged men from the JCPenney catalog fighting on a roof as if they were, like, huge action stars? And I'm like, these are just surgeons, but they're fighting, oh, like, yes. like, Rocky and, and Drago. Yes, <laughs> like it's yeah. It, it makes you wonder if inside every person is just an innate fighter just, you know, waiting to waiting for the right moment to... It's like Leo seeing that rat. It's inside him. It's just... It's, yeah, it's, it's inherent. Uh, um God, I love that movie. I think I've got it on my Christmas list this year. Um, it just came out in a four nice 4K edition. Oh, mm. great. I, I also have to say another thing I really enjoyed about The Fugitive is 
the outerwear that everyone is wearing. It's not glamorous. It is very like I live in Illinois and it is cold here all the time. Yes. Like yeah. everyone is all like everyone's wearing like Tommy Lee Jones when they're at the like crash site and everything. He's just wearing like a big puffy parka and stuff. And I'm like, and he's wearing like vests. And I'm like, yeah, this all tracks. Great, great fashion. Mm-hmm. It's very felt uh, very authentic. And there half the time when Harrison Ford's like traipsing around Chicago in just like a hoodie or like that uh kind of tweed blazer i'm like you're not wearing you're not wearing enough layers we we had a long talk when we watched it me and tara a while ago and then i told i think when i went to go visit my folks my mom and i watched it over three nights because she's like i have to go to bed like (laughs) just watch a little bit we were like would you notice harrison ford like is he so harrison fordy that if he walked by you wearing that in uh Chicago would you go holy cow it's Harrison Ford because I've had the one the one time I spotted Al Pacino in Los Angeles he had a linens like I looked at him because I'm like what a weird outfit that person is wearing it was like a linen suit in the middle of the day and like long hair and a backwards baseball cap and then we're crossing I'm like that guy looks that's the weirdest looking homeless person I've ever seen he turns and I was like without a doubt I was like that's Al Pacino and like this is like 2000 2001 um if harrison ford was wearing that would you, like was harrison ford so good looking in 1994 that you'd be like wow that guy's harrison ford would it turn your head and you notice him or so, so I, I mean i guess it depends on in what scenario because if i'm just walking down the street i'm not looking at people's faces the whole time i'm just like looking ahead to where i'm going so like i guess what is there a specific scenario in the movie you're referring to I just anytime he was walking around on the street, oh. it was like, would anyone notice it? We kept going back and forth. Mm. Would would just like shoe polishing his hair make him? Yeah, like so different looking, you wouldn't notice him. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Like again, it depends on the scenario where I might actually have to like look at someone's face or something. But like if I just like, I don't know, pa- past. I had a situation where in in Chicago where we were walking, and and I was with uh girlfriend at the time we were walking and someone walked by and I recognized them and was like did a full like head turn 180 like oh oh and my girlfriend reckon looked at me she's like what's that I was like uh I recognize that person and she was like who I'm like well they're famous and I and you don't know them she's like well who is it and I was like no you don't know them a wrestler no it was a pornographic uh, actress and so like that had to become the conversation she's like you need to tell me why won't you tell me and I'm like all right She's a porn star. And she was like, hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's not fair for you to be like super pushing me to answer this question. I mean, I should have said it was a wrestler in hindsight. Yeah. She's a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was just really like, I'm like, anyway. Uh, but I remember being very much like, I know who that is. And then going like, I should not say who I know that is. It's a similar, th- it's a reverse of when I ran in, I saw, boy, I'm dropping a lot of names. I'm running into, I ran into Elijah Wood in Austin. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you this story? yes but remind me of it it's my brain i went i know this person but my brain was going it must be like if i ran in if not you but like if we didn't know each other so well and i saw you i'm like oh that's uh what's her name i went to smu with her so i'm seeing elijah wood and going oh hey um and i'm trying to figure out how i know this person and they're looking at me like this guy's walking right at me and i'm walking at him to go 
oh, I don't want to be embarrassed when they see me and mm-hmm. I don't recognize them. So I have to be like, hey, you. So I'm getting like all geared up for friendliness and I'm like right next to him and he looks at me with terror in his face because I'm coming right at him and I go, oh, this is Elijah Wood. I know them, but they don't know me. And I do this like, 90 degree turn and just like and like go the other way and Tara's like what was that and I'm like Elijah Woods back there and then she didn't believe me because he got on a bus and went to this thing for ACL and then we saw him later and I was like or uh, South by and I saw him like there he is I was on the bus and pointed at him and she's like oh my god you were right I was like I told you I have to say you've not told me the story I'm confusing it with my co-worker's husband who saw Elijah Wood at a coffee shop and walked and I think they were like next to each other like waiting for their coffee and and she just turned to him her husband turned to Elijah Wood and went Elijah Wood and he was like yeah and he was like hey nice to meet you I'm Will and they shook hands and then they shook back to waiting for their coffee <laughs> yeah I mean that's the thing was is I was coming at him with like I was I think overdoing the like hey buddy we've been friends for a long mm-hmm. time because I couldn't figure out how I knew him um what do you think of Freudian sleep <laughs> so Matt and I were talking about this because he was like I don't I was like, this episode didn't really do it for me. And I was like, I don't mind them taking this swing with this episode and getting into a, a little bit more of the like psychiatry of it. I thought it was a little silly, but I wasn't mad about it. But it's not an episode I'd recommend to people. So because of that, my my rating is going to be, um, uh, I don't know, five Busby Berkeley numbers, which is what I describe Martin's <laughs> dream as. <laughs> Right. That was when I was like, oh, we're going to reveal something about mm-hmm. Martin. Like, especially, I think the closest we reveal is he goes, I have a girlfriend that's way better for me and she's going to figure it out soon. And I'm like, okay, we're going to deal with this eventually. But then it does just go into a Buzzley mm-hmm. Berkeley uh, just thing. And just that's it. And well, then we do see Ed's, uh, Eddie's dream, which is really funny, which is they're all just giving him yes. food and they make a whole turkey and put it on the floor. But I did, I did find it very cute that she's, he's sleeping like in bed with. Martin and, mm-hmm. and I, I always forget her name. I always call her Wendy. Ronnie. Ronnie. Um, I gave it six out of ten fantasy plumbers um, because, again, like I said earlier, I laughed. I, I think some of it was I disliked the last one so much that this one seemed funnier to me. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it more than I didn't enjoy it, so it was just a little bit over the middle of the road for me. Oh. But I agree. Like I, I think it. I think it could be. It's interesting because it almost feels like a dentist office episode, mm-hmm. but also if you like were watching, you're like, "What is Fraser?" Like if you didn't know, if you were came into the middle of it and you saw Fat Daphne, <laughs> those cheeks, that face is yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. You'd be like, "What is this horror thing I'm watching?" Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, I uh, oh, did, did, wait turkey i was like i had two things i was gonna say uh yes. matt and i cooked our first turkey this week how'd it go uh did you say how'd it go yeah good good i mean you're having you were having leftovers when i got on the call yeah. so it has to be pretty yeah. good yeah um the only thing is is like i don't i'm not trying to be like precious handling the turkey a raw turkey like pulling out the giblets it's disgusting <laughs> like pulling out the giblets <laughs> even saying that sentence is gross it, just like <laughs> And there's so much like cracking of bones and stuff. Like I was like, I Did you spatchcock it? No, we didn't spatchcock it, but like okay. uh it I, I was just like, I like th- thankfully I still wanted to eat the turkey after we cooked it, but I was just like, I have handled so much of this raw bird. <laughs> like I have reached in both ends and like I just because also we had a fairly small turkey, it was just us, and so <laughs> I told Matt, I was like, I don't think your I think your hands are too big to get inside this turkey. <laughs> 
so like I, I was doing a lot of the like you know digging around inside for giblets that have been left behind and stuff and like shoving like onions and stuff in there and I, but I was just like oh but man did it smell yeah. amazing in my apartment and uh yeah we i mean the, and the turkey the turkey was it, was it was great we i'm gonna make some turkey chili with the leftovers but we've been having there's turkey all... sammies and mm-hmm. I, yesterday i did there's... a uh i did a turkey mac and cheese and egg scramble for breakfast because I, I made mac and cheese as well you don't still happen to have any of the carcass do you, you got rid of that uh, saved a bunch of bones, got rid of the carcass. I'm going to make a turkey stock, though, with some of the bones. I was just about to say, there's really good stock you can make from that stuff. It's a great time to do yeah, it. Yeah, we've got... Because if you really want to make good stock, the best thing to do is to roast those bones, so you've already done it, so... There we go, yeah. Um, the carcass had a lot of, like, meat uh, still, like, on it. Like, meat that wasn't... We don't necessarily, like, want to eat, but I was just like, I don't yeah. want to sit here and strip this whole carcass of meat before I make stock, so... I mean, it's not going to be the most bountiful stock I've ever made, but... Um. I so we a few years ago discovered uh, making quesadillas out of uh, like little like maybe instead of the turkey sandwiches, mm-hmm. you do a little bit of instead of the refried beans, you do a little bit of mashed potatoes, mm. put turkey in there and the stuff, and you put it between two things, put it in like a waffle maker mm-hmm. or Yum. you know on a on a skillet. A uh, it's it's been interesting to me to find all the things people seen because I've seen like some really interesting. I don't forget where it was. They had they had Thanksgiving egg rolls. Uh, where it's essentially doing the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same ingredients, you know. It's stuffing, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, mm-hmm. turkey, and it's just different ways of getting them. You know, holding them so they're just you know a one hand thing. Um, it's gonna be. I'm not gonna ask. The, I was gonna ask for uh, Craniacs to if they knew a good place because I think I'm gonna try and find some place to get a good. We went home, so I we don't have any leftovers. But I'm really for some reason this morning feeling a uh leftover sandwich my poor brother-in-law ordered the wrong turkey so we got like the thing that was just a breast like sliced oh oh like he he ordered a turkey breast rather than like a turkey then like a, you can there's a place in plano called cowboy chicken yeah. that does rotisserie chickens and they'll do turkeys on mm-hmm. thanksgiving but apparently they'll also just do like the sliced breast so it just felt like thick sliced almost oh. like deli meat oh it was good. It was good, but it was Not like what you want on Thanksgiving. Yeah, my like my sister sent us all a text to be like, "Don't say anything." He's really, you know, we're all like, "Okay, cool." Um, I will say um, it has been years since I've had the turkey leftovers. Like probably since 2015, when my roommate at the time and I hosted Thanksgiving in DC. Mm-hmm. So I am like thrilled to have turkey leftovers. My sister and I just at the last second made mashed potatoes, like, and it was so funny because everyone's like, "These mashed potatoes are really good," and we kept like high fiving at the Aww, table. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, it was it was fun because it was yeah, essentially like they get the turkey, but then like they make all the you know it, there was cranberry sauce, green bean casserole, blah 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 blah, all that stuff. Uh, and it's also like my mom and Tara both have a lot of food stuff going on, so there's like. There's not super like my sister used to make these amazing cheesy grits that's like garlic mm. and cheese, and it about killed Tara one year, even though she loves them. So we don't have them mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, yeah. We had a, I, I would say a ju- just indulgent enough Thanksgiving. Like we, we we had salad and we had some like sous vide carrots and beans. Salad? Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> Sometimes I like to say salad like that, but then, salad. But then we also had like the turkey, the rolls, the mac, the baked mac and cheese that I made, and mm-hmm. like bourbon chocolate pecan pie what is disturbing to me is Ooh. how fast we've gone through the mac and cheese like i 
went to make a little side of it for myself yesterday at dinner. And I was like, wait, there's only two of us. And <laughs> I made this on Thursday <laughs> and I'm concerned by how much is consumed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the bourbon chocolate pong guy is great. I think we have maybe like a little less than half of it left. So, um, yeah. We had, there was a maple pecan pie at uh, HEB that was really good. Oh, I, uh, I'm, I'm very picky about my pecan pies. And I realized the best way to get one I like is just making myself. <laughs> um, but Well, if you're willing to part with that recipe, we'd love it. Because I feel oh, like yeah. we keep losing our pecan pie recipe. And we it's either like two gooey which it becomes makes a delicious pecan topping to ice cream <laughs> I, uh, it's, I, it's not my recipe it's the all recipes uh mm, it's okay. like all recipes.com like bourbon chocolate pecan bite guys it's got corn syrup in it it's i mean it is there's nothing fancy my my thing the hill i die on is you have to have finely chopped pecans on top none of these pecan halves because what happens is the pecan halves you cut a slice pecan halves way down the filling and your whole slice falls apart you can't do that you got to finely chopped pecans and to me that's really really good advice pecan Laura. halves is a sign of a lazy pie baker you see that at the grocery store when they're just about quantity over quality and that is why i make my own pecan pies I feel like this would have been a really good episode to put out before Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, I made pecan pies at Christmas too. Like pecan pies. Fair, yeah. fair, fair. Um, especially because the only reason I have a small bottle of bourbon is for my bourbon chocolate pecan pie. And I'm like, guys, I think it's now two mm. years old. I need to make more pecan pies. I have two more crusts. Also, don't make your own crust. I mean, if you want to like buy the refrigerator crust that you have to bake, okay, sure. But don't make like from scratch a pie crust. It's just not worth it. Listen, if you know you're good at baking, you know people who know how to make pie crust you know who you are if you're like maybe i should try it it's not for you remember early in the pandemic, <laughs> or you have to commit a lot of time a lot of time remember early in the pandemic when we were all like bacon complicated things that's when i made my first pie crust and was it good yes was it so much better that it justified the like 12 hours it takes from start to finish absolutely not so <laughs> yeah exactly i was telling someone i one year for uh thanksgiving made a absolute like lo- like like i was like i'm gonna make a green bean casserole but i'm gonna use all fresh ingredients I'm you've told this before yes. mushroom gravy mm-hmm. and then it was like this like slightly better mm-hmm. and i was like i will never do that again yeah. i will maybe use fresh green beans okay yeah but that would be it everything else like there's no reason to make your own mushroom gravy for that it takes too long it's not I that much like better green casserole so i'm like i don't that doesn't need to be on the table oh i like it um, but anyway, uh, tell us what you had for Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, I know it's p- post Thanksgiving, but give us your I, recipes. You know, I, I would love turkey is, is available year round, folks. <laughs> that, but also, like, I would love to know what's on your table that you don't normally find on other people's table. Like, I don't need a sweet potato yeah. casserole. Like, if you like, I, I like a good corn casserole. That that again, the recipe is from like allrecipes.com mm. with the Jiffy cornbread. Like, that's good. But like, I'd love to hear what people have on their tables that you know maybe you would not find on your typical one. So. Absolutely. Also, made, I also like, pie. Let me know. You, did you see Leo's ear just go up? Chest pie. See Leo's ear. I uh, my brother makes like chess brownies kind of things instead of chess pie, mm-hmm. and he, they were asking him. He's like, "We don't really have a, a dessert if you don't like pumpkin pie." And like the boys were trying to convince him to make it like right then at Thanksgiving. He's like, "You're you're all dumb. I'm not doing this right now." Yeah. Um. If send us your recipes, let us know what you had for Thanksgiving. Uh, we are craniacs at gmail.com. That's C R A N E I A C S. Let us know if we missed anything in this episode or if we asked a question that just kind of drifted off into the to the ether. Uh, we are craniacs of Fraser podcast on Facebook. Good way to get at us, good way to share any of the, you know, anytime we talk about something, I'll try and find that, uh, 
Oh my God, what was I ta- What was the Instagram thing I was talking about in the beginning? Well, when I re- edit this episode, I'll remember it and then I'll put it up on Facebook. There you go. But that's where we do all that stuff. Uh, wherever you listen to us, you know, what, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, any of your podcast aggregate systems, uh, we please give us a review and give us a rating of five stars. Five stars really helps out a small podcast like mm-hmm. us. Uh, four stars and lower, not so much. So if you're thinking of giving us four stars or lower, Laurel has an idea of something for you to do other than sending us Thanksgiving recipes. Yes, well, please do that. But, uh, folks, I listened over the past week to Britney Spears' memoir, The Woman and Me. Mm. It's read by the actress Michelle Williams. Britney reads the introduction and explains a little bit why Michelle Williams is doing the reading. It would be too traumatic for Britney to uh, read uh. read the whole thing. Um, and I, I just I highly recommend it. Not that I necessarily take her side of the story as the honest truth, but I do think it's very eye-opening about uh i feel a little bit about the way i do feel i feel about jessica simpson's memoir and that these women who in like the late 90s early 2000s were teenagers and were catapulted to like pop superstardom and over sexualized at a very young age and britney has done like a lot of like she's obviously done a lot of therapy and like worked a lot on her mental health and stuff and like unpacking a lot of things but for her, it's just you see how many different thing, people and institutions that should have protected her failed her and just exploited her the whole way. And whereas Jessica mm-hmm. Simpson's, I feel, her memoir ends up being a, like a little bit more of a like, I've come out the other side. You don't necessarily feel that way with Britney yet. I just, I really recommend it. It's short. I want to say it's like five hours to listen to, which most memoirs are twice that long, if not longer. So um, I can't imagine how long it's going to take to listen to the Barbara Streisand memoir. That's like 970 pages. Not that I have plans to listen to it, but if in case you are. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, anyway, I just, I, I recommend it. It's also, I mean, you burn through, um, you burn through it pretty quick. So, um, and J- Michelle Williams does a great job. I, I feel like Michelle Williams and I are friends now. So yeah. Oh, since this? Okay. Yeah, just because I feel, I mean, I know she's reading Britney's story, and my friend said, after a while, I just started to think of it as Britney's voice, and I was like, I couldn't. It felt the whole time like Michelle Williams, but um, yeah. Well, cool. Um, I'll let Tara know, because I know she was thinking, she's debating going back and forth she wants to read that, because I think sometimes she reads things that are a little dark. Like, how dark is it? Because it's, you know, it's, it, 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 she... And, so, I mean, it's pretty, fairly, fairly dark. Um. And it's interesting, I think, because I remember all the different beats of Britney's life. And so it's interesting to line up her experience from her own perspective with what was being reported in the media and what I remember at that time. Um, but one, one mm-hmm. thing I was saying to Matt is that, like, I've read 14 memoirs this year. Like, this has been the year of the memoir. And I, I need, I've realized that you don't write a memoir unless you have some trauma you have to talk about. And so, because every memoir yeah. I've read, except for, like, Stanley Tucci's, even he talks about, like, fighting cancer are all like I had a horrific childhood or I had this underwent like my child died of cancer at the age of three. And just like all of these, like there's always something dark that like spurs a memoir for the most part. Can't remember. I think the last one I read was Moshe Cashers. Who's a comedian who grew up with divorced deaf parents. And one of them became a Hasidic, uh, joined Hasidic Judaism. Oh, wow. It's a fascinating story. He's he's a comedian. He does good stuff. But I just kind of got into it because he opened for Aziz and Zari when we saw him once. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating... It's Cashier in the Rye is a good one. I'm reading... I'm trying to get through the Jim Henson 
one right now. It's just like when I read those things, I am trying to go to bed and it's like I'm cooler with like, I don't know, like it almost feels like learning and on top of learning, like trying to be sleepy. So I get about one page in and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. like I've been reading the Jim Henson one for a while and he has not picked up a puppet yet. That's how long it's been (laughs) since I've been trying to work on that one. Um, thank you guys so much for listening uh, let us know about that or you know what give us some other memoir recommendations like I said Tara's always looking for them I'm sure Laurel is as well yeah. me not so I, much cl- clearly I'm into them me not so much but uh, I, I, I will I will pass them on but uh, until next time I'm Ryan I'm Laurel and we're listening bye y'all Laurel is the expert